Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Today on CityCast Madison. A massive change has come to college sports, and it smells like Benjamin's and comes in the color green. The long-running call from college athletes to get paid for their work has finally been heated. College athletes can now cut deals using their name, image, and likeness. This is a monumental shift, including here at UW-Madison. There are tons of big questions on how this new system will affect college sports and who will benefit. Producer Dylan Brogan speaks with sports columnist Jim Polzine to learn how it's working. It's Wednesday, November 22nd. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. So Jim, thank you for joining me today. Happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So we're witnessing one of the biggest changes in the history of college sports. Uh, college athletes can now get paid. What has that meant for student athletes? Yeah, I think it's been a long time coming. I mean, it's this is something that kind of got on my radar probably almost a decade ago. And so it's taken a long time to get to where we are. But essentially, like it comes down to players can get rewarded um, for their name, image, and likeness, where in the past they couldn't. The example I, I always use is back in 2015, Frank Kaminsky would look up in the Kohl Center crowd and see 50 number 44 jerseys. And they were clearly, those people were clearly buying it because he wore number 44, and yet he wasn't seeing a dime from that. And now players can can do that and and get some money off that. And they can they can make money in a variety of different ways just based off their their name, image, and likeness. Yeah, and you can see the fairness argument in that, right? Frank Kaminsky is a great player. People are buying his jerseys because they like him. And yeah, maybe he should be compensated. And that's what's going on. It's called NIL, stands for name, image, likeness. But it's worth millions. And student athletes can make money off personal brands. Like, how exactly does this work for a school like UW-Madison? So what's happened is schools, including Wisconsin, have this third party called collectives. And, and for Wisconsin, it's called the Varsity Collective. And that's just a group of people who have formed a nonprofit and essentially act as a go-between. Because the NCAA rules state that, that universities cannot uh, do this all themselves. They can't recruit players and offer them money from some sort of fund themselves. That would be recruiting violation. But they work with Wisconsin to educate, to make sure the collective's following the right rules, to make sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, and, and so what you'll see is the collectives joining forces with the student athletes to kind of set up these various ways of, of making money off their name, image, and likeness. There's charity, there's, um, you know, there's appearances, autograph sessions. There's no limit on what what ways these players can can make money. Um, and oftentimes these athletes are are 
signing with an agent on their own to kind of help facilitate some of these things too. So there's, there's probably a lot of different people with their hands in this and trying to make um, these deals. And again, the collective, I will point out, I think that's very important to point out that they're very big into education and, and, and teaching the athletes uh, about how to represent yourself on social media, um, how to sign contracts, what to look for in, in offers that might come your way. Ideally, they want the, the athlete to leave school and their college career with all these skills that could prepare them for whatever future endeavors, whether it's on the court or off the court that might come their way. So what exactly just like determines the worth of a student athlete? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think it's like anything it's market value. And if player X who's being recruited or even is even already on campus, if another team thinks they're worth X amount of dollars, then they have set you know, they've kind of set a, a number for that value and it would be up to Wisconsin and its collective to try to uh, match that or surpass it or whatever. So much is happening behind the scenes that it's hard to assign what those dollar values are, how often it goes on. Um, nobody really wants to talk about it, I think is the trick. Like uh, the example I use is that Greg Gard made it very clear that there were- yeah, He's the uh, UW's men's basketball coach. Yeah, yeah there, there were other schools- um, tampering, for lack of a better word, with some of his athletes that were on the roster last season, heading into this past offseason. Didn't name specific players, didn't name specific uh, schools. It's not hard to figure that stuff out. And certainly didn't name specific numbers that were being thrown around. But important to note that Wisconsin did retain all of the players, uh, all of its key players, all of its core players from last season, despite these um, tampering <laughs> attempts. This was not designed to have it go this way. Go, let's go back to July 1st, 2021. Let's do it. Yeah. That's where NIL started. Uh, that's that's where NCA finally gave in and said, we're going to pass this legislation. We're going to allow student athletes to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. That was also the same time the NCAA said, we're going to give student athletes the right to transfer one time without penalty. Because typically the old rule was, if you're going to transfer from Wisconsin to Alabama, you have to go sit out a year. You have to spend a year in residence there. Now you no longer have to do that. And the collision of these two massive rule changes and forces at the same time has led to chaos. The word coaches always use is Wild West. It's become the Wild West out there. And policing it is has become very, very difficult. Okay, so like the basketball coach, Greg Gard, it, when you're talking about tampering, it's like, okay, so you got a great player. So now these collectives and that are affiliated with the university and are, oh, we he played so good last year, this one player. We're Illinois. We're going to find a way to pay him more than he's getting at Wisconsin. And so now Greg Gard wants to keep it. They have to sort of match these offers. Yeah, it's, it's like, think of it as us, right? Like we are professionals in whatever we do, um, if another company comes and likes what we do and offers a, a better, a bigger and better deal, what would we do? We'd then go to our bosses and say, Hey, I've got this offer. What can you do? You know? And, and that's basically what's happening in the end of one season. And even it, this was happening before last season ended. Uh, Wisconsin was in the middle of an NIT run and guard was already talking about having to re-recruit players on his roster. And, and that's just something that's, they recruit for future classes, certainly. They've never had to re-recruit players on their own roster. So it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. No, you can see how, from a coach's standpoint, it, it changes the game. So, like, how much control does the university have over these NIL deals? I think it depends on where you are. Um, and there's there's some schools that have 
multiple collectives, which means you have competing collectives, which makes it even harder to police if you're the university that's that's going to get in trouble if the rules aren't followed. Uh, I think at Wisconsin, it's a from what I understand, it's a pretty good setup in terms of cooperation between the varsity collective and and the athletic department. If you look at the collective's roster of people that run it, it is almost all former UW uh, athletes or or business people, alumni, stuff like that, uh, who I think are in this for the right reason um, and and trying to do this while following the rules and working again with UW to make sure that there's an education element to this and, and that it's not just a let's collect this giant pool of money that we can then spend on the best of the best and and become a giant winner. I mean, I, I think that's... Well, that's some of it, though. Well, it's some of it. It absolutely is some... And because it's now it's become, if you're going to compete, you've got to retain what you, the, the best players you have on your roster. Um, I just don't know that Wisconsin is going out and getting in bidding wars for the five-star and four-star football recruits that it's going to have to compete with... Um, you know, the factories, the the Blue Bloods for, I, I just don't think Wisconsin's playing that game quite yet or can play that game quite yet. It's March, folks. And in case you forgot, we live in Wisconsin. Although it's been an unusually warm winter, we can't guarantee we won't get more storms with challenging road conditions. Attorney Z. Usman with Usman Law wants to remind you of some of the winter rules of the road to help keep you safe. So remember, accelerate and decelerate slowly. Don't follow any car too closely. Avoid using cruise control. Steer in the direction of a skid and don't stop when going up a hill. If you are in an accident, call Attorney Z. Usman. He's handled hundreds of insurance claims and can ensure you get everything you are owed. There are no upfront costs and no fee unless he is successful. Also, pro tip, don't negotiate with the insurance company on your own. Go visit madisonaccidentlawyer.com to schedule a free call with attorney Usman. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Okay, so is this name, image, likeness, nil money going to athletes of certain sports over others like um we we have very good uw women's volleyball team i mean are they seeing a share of this too yeah they are i think football dominates the money in terms of you know who's getting the most certainly football players are the highest paid i think basketball men's basketball would certainly be next i would put volleyball in that next category uh again probably men's hockey to some degree and again here's how things can change dylan is that the men's hockey team was bad last year. Yeah. Now all of a sudden it's a top three team as potential stars rise from that team. Then all of a sudden those players become more marketable to businesses around the community and the state looking to, um, you know, get faces and, and names on their brands. And that's why volleyball is in, in, in that conversation, even because they've been a blue blood now for a couple of years since winning the national cha- championship very likable personalities all over that roster. And I can understand why a business would want to associate with any number of of players on that team. So I think volleyball 
here at Wisconsin uh, is probably in that second or third tier, but that's not the way it is all places. And I would say from, from my understanding, male athletes are, are getting far higher the percentage of, of this income than, than female athletes at this point. Yeah. And that just brings up this interesting question about, you know, these are public universities the NCAA has to abide by rules. So like, how does title nine, the federal law prohibiting sex discrimination in education, is that factoring into how this money is being distributed to, to all student athletes? My feeling is that the defense for the universities is that they're not the ones distributing this money and therefore they're not having to follow title nine guidelines. Uh, this is a separate entity, the collective in a lot of ways that runs this. And, and listen, I know enough of these people at UW that they've essentially created a NIL department um, knowing that this was become such a, such a big thing in college sports. They assigned people that were in other departments into this um, NIL department to kind of work with everybody. And I, and knowing those people, I would assume um, that they're trying to find ways to market females as much as they do for males. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, there could be inequities, but yeah, it's sort of on the university to, to try to combat that. Yeah, in some ways. I mean, there's there's, there's inequities in college sports all over the place, right? Yeah. Look, turn on the TV on Saturday, it's all um, football, all males for the most part on TV. And, and some of that... I think is driven by ratings and what attracts ratings, well, football and men's basketball. But we're seeing like volleyball numbers are going up. So you're going to see more volleyball on TV. Female athletics are just playing catch up from essentially 50 years ago, not being allowed to compete in athletics. It's a catch up. It's I think it's getting closer, but um, maybe not to where we all want it to be. And I think that is somewhat playing into the NIL too, is that there's a little bit of catch up being played and it's going to take a lot of work to make sure that there's equality. So in the past, college athletes like received scholarships to attend UW, also to play sports with UW. And hey, uh, it's not a free ticket most of the time with tuition. It costs tens of thousands of dollars per year. So, you know, uh, an athletic scholarship, that's worth a lot of money, just that. Um, so now that student athletes can get paid through other means, including this collective, are those athletic scholarships still happening? And is this like a like kind of a a new scholarship program in a way? Yeah, it's it's, it's almost separate. The scholarships are still there. I mean, each team is allotted a certain number. I think football is eighty five, and men's basketball is thirteen. You know, like so. So those numbers haven't changed. Um, this is really just an add on. Uh, I do think what we've seen is the walk on program here at Wisconsin has been so important for a long time, dating back to when Barry Alvarez was the football coach. And a lot of that is in-state athletes uh, just wanting to play for Wisconsin their whole life and then saying, hey, I'm going to go take a chance. I'll pay for my first year or two on campus, hoping that I'll get a scholarship for my last two or three years. Now what NIL has done is allowed, allowed the school to maybe give them an NIL deal that is equivalent to what they're going to be paying in tuition and and room and board um so you're taking away that that payment and rewarding them up front uh, so it's essentially a scholarship yeah. in a lot of ways if you're getting an nil deal again very careful i think to make it a third party um move and and transaction but 
you know, I think it's allowing Wisconsin uh, and, and, you know, football and men's basketball, I think is where it's happening the most to maybe get players here um, that maybe they wouldn't have always in the past because, hey, we can offer you a, a, an NIL deal that's going to be the equivalent to what you're going to pay in, in tuition and, and reward. So this may just get back to the transparency issue, but do we just know how much like the average student athlete is getting from NIL money? I don't. I mean, I see numbers thrown around all the time, uh, you know, here and elsewhere. And I don't know what's real. I really don't. Uh, it seems like that's a problem. Do you think that's what is might need to happen yeah. with this NIL era is that we need more transparency? Yeah, it's it's I would love it for a lot of reasons. And I, part of me thinks the coaches would love it, too. Like, you know, let's use Greg Gard. Sorry to go back to Greg Gard. But when a star player walks into his office um, after a season's over and says, Team X is offering me $500,000, that's tough to pass up. What can you do to to give me a little something, something here? Um, how does Greg Gard know that that deal is real, right? Because what's not happening, Dylan, is that the coach from Rival X is not sending an email or text message to star players saying, I want you and here's what I'll give you. This is all done behind the scenes and it's it's a little bit shady in a lot of ways. There's you're talking fourth or fifth parties just to, so coaches can separate themselves and not get in trouble with the NCA. So what I would be worried about if I was a coach was, is this just a guy that's making a play here and trying to get um, a better deal from me and from an NIL standpoint. So yes, transparency would be for the best. Uh, you're also dealing with public universities um, and there's a lot of private universities, you know, Northwestern doesn't have to follow the same rules from um, open records requests and stuff like that as a Wisconsin does, right? Because they're private, Wisconsin's public. Uh, you would hope the NCA can kind of uh, come together with some sort of legislation. However, that's been, we're two years into this, two and a half years into this, and that's not happened. And we're to the point now where the NCA is going to Congress basically and saying, help us, you know, please help us. This is very complicated. We need federal regulation uh, to make this all work. Oh, man. Relying on Congress to solve a problem. Uh, which and, and, you know, like Congress doesn't have enough yes. other more important issues to yeah. worry about. Right. All right. Well, let's like circle back to I, I mean, I, what's so amazing about this to me, I guess, is that we're talking 18 year olds, 19 year olds, 20 year olds. These are young people making potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. In some cases, like with, you know, I know there's one quarterback at USC or whatever, make, making millions. Is the collective like putting effort into preparing students for post-college life? Because most of them are are not going to become professional athletes. Yeah, they say they are. I mean, that's one. When I've talked to the um, varsity collective folks, a guy named Rob Master, I mean, he was a professor, journalism professor here, a, a marketing guy out in New York, a very smart guy. He did make that case over and over that, hey, yes, look at the money. I mean, the money is important. We're not going to tell you how much money we've got in our pool. We're not certainly not going to tell you how much money we're paying to individual athletes. And that's part of this. It doesn't deny that. But also, we're trying to make this so we're educating athletes. And part of that, too, is like I said before, they have lined up their board of directors with former athletes and not just in the big sports. I mean, I believe there's um, soccer, former soccer athletes and other sports to kind of round it out to where the non-revenue, quote unquote, non-revenue sports, um, those athletes are represented somehow and their voices are heard 
And I think that's where the education point component comes in. They don't want to just essentially use them for four years and then throw them out to the world. They want to educate them on here's what to know about marketing. Here's what to know about how to handle yourself on social media. Here's how to know about a job interview. Here's how to brand yourself. You know, it's all about branding these days. And that's, I think that's the big thing is let's teach you how to brand yourself, not just for life as an athlete, but for the professional world, you know, the, the outside world. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Jim. Just thank you so much for your insight. It's really interesting to just see how college sports as a business is colliding with college university system in general, which is supposed to be about education. So it's it's an interesting wild world you're covering. Yeah, there's so much money, Dylan. That's the thing. There's, there's so much money. And then finally, at some point, the players said, why can't we get a bigger share of this? That's ultimately what this comes down to. Yes. Jim, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's Jim Polzine, sports columnist for the Wisconsin State Journal. He's also author of Badgers by the Numbers, the best players at each jersey number in Wisconsin football history. And here's what else Madison's talking about. More flight options. The Dane County Regional Airport is adding more flight options for the holidays to some warm weather locations. Beginning in December, you can catch a nonstop flight to Phoenix now, twice per week. This is on top of new flights to Fort Myers and Miami. Go get your warm on. And to leave you off on a positive note before the holiday, Free Bikes for Kids Madison gave away its 10,000th bike. Congratulations! The lucky winner is a West High School wrestler whose bike was stolen. Three cheers to giving and sharing what we can and leaving people thankful for our Madison community. Go on, y'all. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin, your host. We're produced by Alexandra McMahon, AKL Moman, Dylan Brogan, Elizabeth Kama, and Molly Stentz. Our theme music is by Carl Christensen. You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox by subscribing to our newsletter, Madison Minutes. That's written by newsletter editor Haley Sperling. If you enjoyed today's show, why not share this episode with your favorite badger? We'll be back Monday morning after the holiday with more stories from around the city. Until then, have yourself a happy Thanksgiving. Love to you and yours and love to our whole community. Ciao.